This podcast edition of Other Side of Texas is brought to you by our friends at Flint Boot and Hat, a West Texas original. You want a great hat or you want to make your boots great again, go see them at 3035 34th Street or Flint and 34th Street in Lubbock or see more at flinthat.com. It was freezing cold in Dallas when I made my getaway. I outran a cold front when I gave my truck the reins. Barreling down I 35 with one thought on my mind. Forget the race, find an open space. Hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in and thank you t- for telling a friend that you hang out on a one of a kind podcast, radio show, whatever you want to call it, piece of trash, <clears throat> that little shout out for the haters, right here, on the other side of Texas, wherever you're hanging out, or with, ever, uh, with whomever you're hanging out, we thank you for joining us here, I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson, we are broadcasting from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous, get you a little bit of that here. Oh, Every once in a while, you get an indep- independent voice out of love it. And, uh, we hope to Right here, where Buddy Holly became famous, Waylon Jennings put unknown residue from whatever he was smoking on the walls from the Racer Car Wash Studios. Race car, wa- car Wash voted Lubbock's Best Wash for five years running. Stop into one of five convenient locations across Hub City for the best wash around. Guaranteed RacerWash.com. We are just going to hit it in high gear from the beginning today. We have Lubbock City Councilman Jeff Griffith in. Wherever you're listening from, whether it be in Lubbock or in other venues, Lubbock being a major mid-sized city dealing with some issues that a whole lot of cities that are smaller and larger uh what to do about emerging issues like brew pubs you know i've talked extensively on this program about how i like my craft brews and because i can afford them now that i'm approaching 40 used to just be natural light and uh maybe maybe some other drinks whenever i was younger but now the craft brew is a big deal and we're also going to get into public libraries and what do you do in a digital age in a mid-sized city or larger or smaller with public libraries uh councilman jeff griffith out of lubbock again wherever you're listening from whether it be in lubbock or the surrounding region or across the state or country You'll get some good feedback here from Councilman Griffith on what he's thinking and uh, what he thinks is in the best budgetary interest for the city. Also, I'm going to put this out. I'm, I'm going to talk about this more in about 25 minutes from now, but I'm going to wage this venture that there has never been finer radio run out of this premises where buddy holly became famous than tomorrow on this program where we bring you content like you will not hear anywhere else we've got some exclusive content that we want to bring you i'm not going to go into details but i am going to promise you 
that if you're following local controversies as they extend to the region and across the state, uh, tomorrow is a must, must listen program. Uh, just mark my words. And that's where we lead things off. He is Councilman Jeff Griffith. He is uh, the Councilman for the Central I think it's fair to say Central Lubbock, Councilman Griffith. Jay, yes, thank you. Tickled to be here today. Let's, let's give you your proper due. Oh, thank you. That's the most clapping I've ever it's I've ever received, I assure you. But uh, you weren't running against in the last election, so that was plenty of of, of applause. <laughs> so thank you. Hey, so tell me, let's start off on brew pubs and help me with this because this is an emerging issue in Texas. What to, and I want to start with the Texas legislature that we've had, uh, craft brewers on who feel like they were ripped in the last legislature. I don't want to approach it from a state level with you, but I want to approach it from a municipal level. Uh, there was, and correct me if I'm wrong. But on first vote or first motion or whatever we call it there at City Hall, craft brewers, we decided to stop, but then we kind of reversed course. Is that a correct? Uh, kind of. The There was a zone case brought forth by actually a couple from out of, out of our city that wanted to put a microbrewery and, in downtown. And... Um, we had a odd zone case that night, and uh, it got turned down because of proximity to residential. So it wasn't the purpose of crap brewers, it, but it was a matter of where they wanted to install a oh, brewery. Jay, what's weird is they could have put a regular bar, but because they applied for a microbrewery... Okay. It was zone K specific because you guys, you it, guys really it, got walloped in the days to follow. Trust me, you and were I, not free market. You didn't want private ventures, but it was a zoning issue, not a not a venture issue. Well, absolutely. Again, I and uh, I respect our council votes. I mean, that's the way it is. We don't always agree, but I did vote for it. Uh, but it did not pass. the The issue is that we'd never taken the term microbrewery or winery for our downtown uh, zoning and made it specific. This now has been changed. We've had the first reading. It approved 7-0. We'll have another one Thursday night. Uh, Expect the same. Is that this allows microbreweries to not require as much parking in downtown. It's and so it's interesting. You could have put a this this zoning case not to make, not to get confusing, but they could have put a bar there, but they couldn't because they went specific use. Mm-hmm. That microbrewery got rejected somehow. So it's blown out of proportion that you guys were against microbreweries. Yes, it was just simply due diligence on the part of. The owner, which I think has been shown through further votes, it wasn't against microbreweries. Not at all. Against 
you do your due diligence if you you know anybody who know like in Lubbock it how do I say this it's fairly easy to go down and to look at zoning laws and figure out what you're allowed to what's prohibited within certain areas and I think Lubbock whether it's Lubbock or Longview or Corpus or wherever it might be it's fairly easy to access those records but they just the owners who are applying just didn't do due diligence at well the they uh, instead of just applying for a, a TBC bar use permit they they wanted it to because they're going to actually produce beer there and ship it out so the the use is very uh accurate what they were asking for and i i thought they did a good job but uh and they're they're uh, the gentleman that owns the property but the point is that we're going to get past that i believe the with this determination about microbreweries in downtown and not the need of parking that other establishments are required to the separation issues but it we have this is the this is the exciting news especially for you Jay that do like since you do like craft beer there's two more coming in front of us in the next just in the near future probably the next two to three months that are under construction already in downtown so that you're gonna see uh, you know we've had we've got McPherson winery we have Triple J, which is a microbrewery in its own, and been an establishment in the Depot District for over 15 years yeah. or, or longer. Uh, the West Table Brewery, which is really called uh, LBK Brewery at the Pioneer Building on Broadway, yeah. is obviously new. Because so we're so we're and, and there's not much parking there either. I might add. So this this is now a. Uh, but we'll, we're going to solve this on breweries, uh, down with the microbreweries in downtown. Well, look, this conversation, and I know we're getting in the Lubbock weeds, but it's really helpful that downtown is a whole... Maybe we can get into that here in just a moment. Downtown is a whole other issue, but a lot of people extrapolated that news, and that's why it's helpful for you to come out, to sit across from me, and to answer these questions. Initially my reading on social media and conversations was well this is just a nod towards existing breweries that the city council doesn't want more competition it's just simply that the ownership of what will become a new brewery upon second vote right yeah the second well second reading will allow uh the zoning change yeah. for the entire downtown district to allow these entities. Okay, so now they've done their due diligence, so it's not a nod towards existing. Not at all, and, and I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate you bringing this up because people need to understand. I think our council as a whole—I can't speak for the other six—but kind of by, by the previous vote, it was seven-zero to establish this determination for microbreweries. In wineries in downtown, we see that industry growing, and let's let's make sure that we add the winery component to it, because wine tasting room, mm-hmm. uh, we're in a great wine region. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. So the industry growth there is on from Brownfield and other places, yeah. just exploding. Like so apparently the new Napa Valley, 
right here on the Cap Rock of Texas. And so it, uh, what a great thing to have. Yeah. And and so I think that you're going to see, you'll see more of these entities uh, get open by the end of this year. I really believe. I so, think soon. So the new emerging market in Lubbock is microbrewery. It can't so be. How crazy is it? And I'll credit former Mayor Glenn Robertson with this quote because I love it. We drank wet and talked dry. I believe I'm saying it the right way. No. <laughs> we talked dry and drank wet for 80 years. So how long ago was, did we allow packaging within the city? Like you could go into a 7-Eleven or a convenience store. Uh, uh, what's that been? 2000, early 2000s. Yeah, it was. So to, yeah, to go it's been from, over 10 years. To go from that, and that's what Lubbock was noted for for a long time. Absolutely. Was its austerity on wet laws. And to go from that point and then like 15 or so years later, now if you want some good micro brews, you got to come to Lubbock. Like that's what it seems like is developing. But how great a contrast is that, Jeff Griffith? I agree. I totally agree. And and I like... Uh, and thank I, God for Uber, by the way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Uber and Lyft both in our city. But and we want people to be safe, but the uh, that in that it is an emerging industry, and you've seen it in other cities. But it's a neat eclectic uh, add to our downtown. Mm-hmm. I believe as our downtown redevelops, we've got uh, a whole lot going on, as you can tell. But my gosh, uh, th- I think you're going to see three or four of them. So you rezone a couple of minutes before we get into the break. You're going to stick with us after the break in the yes, next sir. segment. So. So essentially what was done between the first vote, second vote, first reading, second reading, whatever, was that this group went in and what group is it, Mother? Well, the the original zoning that got turned down made us as a council and our staff in our planning and zoning department make the determination that this needed to be addressed because that because that zoning, uh, that that case was so messy. But what what was the zone? Was it like a manufacturing prohibition within a certain? Well, it 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 was a de- designation of uh, a microbrewery because we didn't have that. Yeah. In our and and we didn't. Which was which again back to the red and blue discussion. Yeah. Or, or wet versus. Not wet discussion. Yeah, I think. Like, and, but again, sense. they 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 could have zoned it for regular. That, that's what's crazy. Yeah. They could have zoned it regularly for a regular bar. Yeah, but they want a nightclub. They want to brew their own. They want to brew yeah. their own and sell it. And so retail, so retail. Pitch. You've got a retail component, but you also have a warehouse component that they're actually going to be shipping out yeah. product out the back door. Okay. It's cool. Not out the back door like the old Cotton Club and getting Elvis beer. And uh, No, that, excuse me. Out of a warehouse. This is a, a licensed TABC yes. product. I'm buying it, yeah. <laughs> uh, Jeff Griffith with us here. Lubbock uh, is a great microcosm of what's going on across the state. Griffith in studio. And we're going to hit this break and uh, get back in. We're going to talk about libraries and what's going on. What do you do about libraries in mid-sized, smaller, larger cities in the midst of digital disruption? 
Griffith has a couple of ideas. We're going to go back and forth on that. Stick with us right here on the other side of Texas. Be right back about 90 Jack seconds from now. can't drink because Johnny ain't 21. Yeah, but he's 18 and he's pretty handy with a gun. We carry on here with Jeff Griffith, uh, well-known in Lubbock, and hope that uh, you get to know his name across the state or wherever you're listening from here on the other side of Texas. Um, I want to also, I failed to mention this earlier, your thoughts on the text line as we carry on, 806-745-5800. That's 806-745-5800. If it is above board, and I think it's pertinent, then you'll get your text read online. Otherwise, uh, figure out something smarter to text. Jeff Griffith, <laughs> uh, I want to read from you a blurb as we segue from microbreweries to libraries. And, by the way, how great a thought would it be to do a microbrewery and a library? I'm going to leave that up to entrepreneurs out there. But this from Matt Dotre in the Lubbock, I believe on Sunday? I think that's right, yeah. I believe Sunday they did an article. Uh, This is his paragraph here. And let's just rip into Dotre because (laughs) he needs more people ripping into him. Does Lubbock need four libraries? Mayor Pro Tem, Jeff Griffith, by the way, congratulations on Pro Tem. Oh, thank you. Thank you uh, very much. I think you and I both thought we'd never see this day but uh you are the mayor pro tem. <laughs> <laughs> just do me a favor don't go out of town while while the mayor's out of town okay <laughs> that mistake we, has been we, made before yeah we try not uh, to do that we, we want you to be in charge in case armageddon <laughs> comes to lubbock mayor pro tem jeff griffith asked this question when discussing libraries and he suggested the topic of libraries being added to the October brain session. Materials circulated in library attendance have dropped in recent years. In fiscal year 2014 and 15, attendance was, I'm just going to round off numbers, 514,000. In 2000 2018, an estimated 14,000. Quite a drop there. 422,000. Well, he said 412, but 412, like I said, me. let's just kick yeah. Dotre. Um, <laughs> so it, it will say 420. Can we, can yes. we settle round there? it off? Okay. Because yeah. all the conversation in Lubbock right now is about settlements, but I'll leave you not to comment to that. Griffith said libraries need to be more attractive and suggested more of a focus on technology. He said maybe there needs to be one large central library instead of four across the city was recently in madison wisconsin visiting my brother there are some let me fact check right quick because he just sent me this note there are nine in the city of wisconsin roughly the size of lubbock yes um I'm not going to extrapolate on what that means, but Lubbock is roughly down 20% or more in attendance over the last uh, 14 to uh, 17. So within a 
three, four year cycle. What do you attribute to the decline, Councilman Griffith? Pro Tim Griffith. The uh, Jay, this is a sensitive topic, and uh, uh, when we when you look at numbers and you see twenty percent decline, and we're funding it to about three point five, three point six million is what it is in the future budget. We have not approved the budget. We're still working on it. Hold on. Let me interject there. $3.5 million. Yes. How much is that? How many libraries, first of all, established for listeners, how many libraries do we have? Four. Four. How many of those properties do we own outright? Three. So we have one, and I would conclude that it is the old Luskies out on Frankfurt. Oh, that's correct. That is a it leased it, facility and has been... fifth in Frankfurt or... Um, pro- close, okay. yes, yes. Which is, is it still called the Godecky Library? Yes, it is the Godecky Library. Okay. And Which at one point was on Quaker. Yes. At around 68. 62nd. Yeah, 60, somewhere in there. Yeah. And then moved, because it had a mold problem, uh, to the old Barnes and Nobles, which is just Slide Road. south of the West uh, South Loop. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then moved out to the Lusky's building. Yes. How much are we paying on the Lusky's building? I uh, think the lease payment is, I'm, I'm going to ballpark uh, that we're paying uh, I need to pull that data sheet, but I think um, for the sake of time, it's a pretty our, penny. Our budget, our budget for that particular uh, unit is about half half a million to seven hundred thousand a year. But that includes staff, the lease. See, we've but well, but here's one. Let's just for the sake of time, let's go into improvements. How much in? This is previous councils, but how much have we gotten into improvements there? Uh, my very first council meeting, a little over four years ago, I voted against putting improvements in that building. Not because I'm against libraries, but I thought it was crazy to put 800000 and end up being a million dollars okay, worth of leasehold improvements okay, in somebody else's building. That's important, but what also comes to bear here is that you, again... In Lubbock, we don't have uh, council seats that are at large. No. Like, there's a mayor at large. Yes. But the other seats are by representative districts. You represent central Lubbock, which is nowhere ne- Well, in the far extremes is near, I guess you the could edge. argue. Edge. But it's outside of your district. Barely. But that's supposed to be your library, councilman. And it's outside your district, and yet we're putting in what kind of improvements into that that building? Well, and you, when you put uh, when you put close to a million dollars of leasehold improvements in somebody else's building, and that lease is up, uh, I believe August of next year. So that's the reason I felt like Jay that it was so important. So we put a million in. Yeah. Wow. Overall, the but. The the deal is that, and some of that can be ex- extracted, but some can't. How? 
Uh, some of it's HVAC. Some of it's roof. Okay. Uh, so you, you, but shelving you can pull out. But I'm I'm not advocating that we eliminate it. What I'm advocating is that this council needs to assess library usage versus budget. Yeah. And the and can we make a library that is more attractive that kids want to go to? That is what I'm after. Yeah. In, uh, you know, the the digital world has changed the amount of bookstores. Uh, we have a new used bookstore coming in on uh, Marshall Sharp Freeway in Canyon West. We uh, the Barnes and Noble at South Plains Mall, which by the way is two minutes. Jay, if if we left the Go to Key Library, we can be inside Barnes and Noble within two minutes. Yeah. Uh, there at South Plains Mall, so we've got. Okay. We 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 do have private industry that is it's doing a good job, but the job but, of the city to to give libraries uh, we need we need to, in my opinion, improve our product and more efficient. Okay, so libraries you may you may disagree with my definition here, but libraries, public libraries. It's the obligation of municipalities to give people access to information. Yes. Uh, and in as many forms as possible. And so I'll just speak for this. Again, extrapolate. I'm not going to, going to use this as the title of our interview here, but it seems like I've used that word a few times. I know this as a family of four young children. Mama, Mrs. Leeson, likes to take these kids to the library in the summer and get about, let them lay out on the floor, see what all they're interested in, things that they had not conjured up before in their heads, read through all that stuff, and then decide what five books do you want for the next month. Uh And you're going to go home, you're going to have required reading time, no screen time, and you're going to read about these these things you all due respect to barnes and nobles they might take a lot of exception to my three my four young <laughs> children going in and sprawling out books that they're trying to pay for as opposed to a public library and so then i think it becomes and excuse me for sounding like a democrat i just try to hit these issues as fairly as i can the public library is going to be a much more amendable to my children sprawling out on the floor with 20 books and deciding which five they want than would a Barnes and Nobles. But here's my other follow-up, just based on our own experience. As residents within your district, mm-hmm. we don't go out to that Lusky's location. We, I think my wife said we've been once or twice. It's way too far out of our way. The old Godicky location, even though we were paying out the wazoo on rent uh, for that what two hundred thousand a month or twenty five. Yeah, it's about twenty five thousand a month. That's correct. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh yeah. But Horrible. whenever you look at alternatives, she's not going to drive these kids all the way from fifty fifth and University out to you know sixtieth and Frankfurt. That's that's not Central Lubbock, and so. I just wonder, let me ask, uh, I spouted all that to say this. Whenever I look at that decline of 
uh, within three or four years, 514 to 412. I wonder how much that is owing to there not being the Godeki accessible to Central The The Godeki is the second most used. The Mahon Downtown Library is number one. The Godeki, even though it's at Lusky's, yes. out, at, out way out west. That's correct. It's the second most visited. So what's three and four? Uh, th- third is across from LCU on 19th. That's the Groves Library. Mm-hmm. And fourth is the Patterson Branch. Uh, on It's off uh, Parkway. Some would in, say, for MLK. better or for worse, that it is um, in the city of Lubbock's <clears throat> economic interest to close the old Mahon Library, named after George Mahon, Google that name, um, to close that library in order for private interest to develop around the Buddy Holly, uh, the new Buddy, Buddy Holly Auditorium. Buddy Holly Hall. Yeah. yeah. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know. that. That's kind of why uh reason, but I did feel like that uh, we need to analyze all four branches. And we need to analyze, and that's the reason I, I threw out there to see what would stick as far as a central library. Yeah. One really cool library that it makes, let's talk about your kids again, Jay. Great, beautiful little children, that, and you Thank want them you. to read. And I, They take after uh, their mother. <laughs> yes, absolutely they do. But we we want our kids to pull those books down and lay down and you're right create interest and create those great young minds it's important that we have and give our citizens a really good library i just don't know if our branch system is the future library of tomorrow or a decade from now i don't know especially with digital taking over digital content taking over because you can on your uh, your tablet right there pull up any book you want and that's available through the Lubbock Public Library system so the visits to these branches is maybe a, a lot of that is due to digital uses okay. increasing so you've made a pinata out of my my point that I think just from our home, not looking at data like you are, but from our home, Godeke is way too far now. Uh, we'd rather go to another branch, whether that be off to the south and the, yeah. uh, the west, whatever it might be. So, Councilman, tell me this. Uh, let's throw cards on the table. What is the best location if you're going to consolidate all four What's the best location to do that? I think that's what we're going to discuss this fall. Uh, I'd love to, I'd, you know, when I, I let me tell you one that I loved, and I'm, I'm not throwing this one out there. I'm just going to mention it. When I was a kid and where I was in book club, I know you find that hard to believe. I don't. We used to read books and get uh, pizza Pizza Hut points. Oh, you did? Yeah. But the, the Central Library is uh, the building across from Lubbock High School. And that building was, that was the library. What is it now? 
a senior citizen right. activity center. And that was uh, just redone uh, in the past few years. But, you know, one really good library, I'm, I'm not advocating this, I'm just saying it needs to be investigated, in my opinion, by city management and this council, is to make a really cool, I want to go to the library. Yeah. And like you talk, just like your kiddos want to do, and as I did back in my day. But uh, people need to, you know, I'd, I'd love to. Uh, the The amount of library usage could increase, but let's make it efficient. Okay, so if it were to run, Jeff Griffith, uh, with us here on the other side of Texas, if it were to be. On 19th, when is that? Between University and Avenue Q. Yes. On 19th Street. And that may not be the best location. I'm just throwing out a, a dynamic yeah. of the past. But will you disagree that it's in Lubbock's best interest, economic interest, to have Mahon discontinued, the Mahon well, Library? I, because I'll tell you the rap that Mahon gets. Now, I love Mahon. Yeah, great building. Uh, it's got a, a ton of great, and it's not the Southwest Collection. I don't want to make it out to be that, okay, uh, at Texas Tech. But I will say this, that it is a it is what a library should be. And the amount of uh, information that is accessible. But the rap that Mahon gets is the homeless population that you have to walk through and work through because you're downtown is it this is a fair question to ask you is it you've been no small proponent on redevelopment of downtown is it in downtown's best interest to essentially get rid of the Mahon library put up a private entity where it might be a shopping center it might be whatever it might be because we all know that you're going to have Buddy Holly Hall you're going to have a hotel, and Possibly. then you could potentially, potentially, you could have a dirt track within range of there as well. Well, I mean, like an, a Coliseum alternative or something like what? I don't think that'll be in downtown. Okay, but, but well, it that, could be within range of facility, downtown. Yeah. But it might work out better economically to have that being a tax viable, a tax incoming tax rival right. property than what it is right now. Well, uh, I think because that... you said Mahon, is that number three? No, it's number one. Number one. In usage. Okay. Uh, and Godeke is number two. But Mahon away from like a 19th in between University and Quaker is what? That that, that miles, may be a... Two yeah, and a half miles. Two and a half miles. But that may be a possibility. I, I think this just needs to be researched and analyzed uh, I'm not advocating to change the Mahon Library. I think it's a phenomenal. I think that it's a phenomenal facility. To your point, and uh, we are trying to uh, do a better job uh, with our our hot teams. Done great in downtown, which is the homeless outreach team of the Lubbock Police Department. I applaud that effort. We're adding forces to it, but uh, homeless is is an issue. There's no doubt about it. It is in every city of our size, some smaller, some larger, of course, but we're not out of line on the amount of homeless we have. It's just that uh, 
sometimes they can be difficult. And you, it, it may keep people away from using that facility, you, to your point. Uh, it actually can be a deterrent. So we've got to do a better job on that. But I do think that that needs to be analyzed, that property, its future usage. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, if, if, if this was even a, a theory of going to a centralized location, I don't know where that location should be, but uh, yes, that property, that that building is a great building. Maybe it's expansion of the Civic Center as yeah. we create a convention center. A couple of questions before we get you out of here. I know you got to go. Two dog parks are not enough, and we need more, says Chris. But four libraries are too many. Wow, but, you know that's uh, that's really interesting. Uh, I think you'll see. In the future, it may take a while because we've just now gone through our first summer with these dog parks. Uh, the, the usage has been very high on the dog parks, from what I understand from our Parks and Recs department. Uh, and I appreciate the fact that people are using the mitts on what the dogs leave in the dog park. So the puppy <laughs> mitts have been, uh, from what I understand, that's how we know that the, the usage is great because... The mitt usage is great, so I appreciate the folks that are using the dog parks being respectful of the dog parks. And I, I think that uh, this this is a discussion point in the future that uh, maybe it we we finally found the city manager finally found the perfect solution with our parks and rec director on creating a dog park that doesn't cost as much. In the past, we were beating our heads against the wall. We were trying to make too much of a Taj Mahal of it. No, fencing and, Jay, some park benches and fountain and lighting can go a long way. But is there a bathroom? Uh, that's the reason you have the, the mitts. <laughs> I'm saying for, for human Yes. For yeah. Human uh, the one at Clap Park, there's 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 yeah. indoor plumbing. Because very close. I know, know where you're you headed. You know the leasons are big <laughs> park usage, and uh, I'd be lying if you had never seen a four year old of uh, the leasing clan dropping <laughs> dropping trowel <laughs> at a tree in the Lubbock Park. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm waiting for the policeman to show up for me. Well, I, I'll give him my hire. Well, I, I appreciate the fact that that'll cut our uh, irrigation cost in the park <laughs> uh so this is my last thing before we get off with you here i know you've got an engagement um i want for you to use your political clout you know where tony baroni had the brawl yes 1994 yes yeah right, right there on the north side right this north side of the coliseum uh-huh where they were i want that row of seats at my house, the, the Tony Baroni. All I want is four of them. Can you put a word in with Kirby Hoke, <laughs> athletics director at Texas Tech? I want, I want four or five of those seats. Well, uh, that was my, that of my youth. Before we shoved the goalpost, and I was sitting, I was, I was just watching. I thought, my goodness, act like you've been there before. But that was awesome. And I want those seats, Griffith. Uh, Front row. You know, seats. I, I I don't have control over that, but uh, you know, you're going to have Coach Chris Beard on your show in the yeah. near future, and and uh, maybe you can talk to Coach yeah. Beard about that. I, I, 
Yeah, I'm, I, I need I need Hokut's ear on this. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm really I, determined. Well, I'll let him know. Uh, and because we put the projector up, I like you talk about living through your children. Yeah. Like I what I make my children. We put the projector up the big screen in the front room of the house, uh-huh. and I make them watch. Like they are absolutely convinced that Bo Jackson is the greatest athlete of all time, and right behind him is Michael Jordan. And they watch these highlight films, and then we play like old school Tecmo Bowl. Nobody can be Bo Jackson, but I've also made them watch the Tony Baroni brawl, <laughs> and uh, and they love they love the Red Raiders now. Good. We got, we got tickets because they were just demanding lower bowl. Like, we're all in. But uh, in their minds, um, yeah, we need those seats to watch football and basketball games. That would be cool. They're, you know they're mounted. Uh, they're not mounted to the floor. The old Coliseum seats are mounted so I can just, to the – you have to mount them to the wall. So I just take my McKee steps. down there and just take them. <laughs> Well, you hear that, Kirby? <laughs> Rip is saying all I need to do is just walk in there and take him. I, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know why that's playing right now. Well, um, I, my apologies for that little interruption there. I left the wrong button on the board. Listen, it's uh, well past time. I appreciate your time, Jeff Griffith. Any closing thoughts before we get out of here? You know what? Lubbock has been a great city and will continue to be a great city going forward uh there's always issues but uh we're gonna we're gonna go forward and we're gonna have very positive things happen this fall mm-hmm. uh I'm ready for the summer to be over thanks for having me yeah man man so, our young family is huge proponents and users of the lubbock library this summer our kiddos ages six and nine would read 198 books. Wow. Purchasing those books. And I don't see the follow-up quite yet, but I'm just assuming they're saying would be well beyond our our range. But you think the Lu- city of Lubbock can put together a plan. Uh, this, isn't, this isn't about eliminating library. This is about improving the product and being more yeah. efficient with tax and like dollars. And, like, look, the reason that I've engaged you on this, I've not fought you on either side, <laughs> is I think a lot of people in the midst of a digital revolution are looking at what you do. And I appreciate you coming on, giving your perspective. We can get uh, representatives, city councilmen, mayors from other cities to come on, talk about their solutions. Well, I'm I sure think it's a good idea. We'll be passing that on to you. He is Jeff Griffith, ladies and gentlemen. We appreciate him coming on, taking a little bit of heat and a whole lot of time here on the program. Appreciate you, Jeff Griffith. Thank you, Jay, for having me. We're going to get into the next break and carry on here on the other side of Texas. Stick right with us here on AM 580. Howdy, Jay. West Texas Leeson here. I'm going to tell you about my friends at Flint Boot and Hat. They've been building hats since 1994 and repairing boots, I guess, since forever. My dog chewed up my ostrich boots. Jared and his guys replaced the heel, made them look new again, put new pulls on, and at a super affordable price, they've resold my boots and they build great hats. Love these guys. Go check them out. 3035 34th Street or 
Flint Boot and Hat Shop at Flint and 34th Street. See more at flinthat.com. Molded out of red clay and baked in the West Texas sun to perfection is The Other Side of Texas with Jay Leeson. Lord, it's the same old tune, fiddle and guitar. Where do we take it from here? Rhinestone suits and new shiny cars. It's been Appreciate advertisers of this program. We're bringing you one of a kind content on the program and hope that you go to our advertisers and say proudly whether that be flint boot and hat or that be title one or lubbock file room uh mullen horton brown which i think is more than making a name for itself in this community as uh, you see the rigor dykes uh, situation they are the um uh, the council for rigor dykes uh, you ever find yourself in a bad situation uh they can serve your interests well hope that you go in each one of those even if it's my precious beautiful i know that it's (laughs) i know it's common to talk about your wife on the radio but uh i'm telling you that uh have you seen that crazy hot matrix on social media just look it up crazy hot and then like my wife completely defies the matrix and uh you know i'm smart somewhat good looking about 30 pounds away from being rather handsome and uh but she knew me 30 pounds ago and uh that's you know my heart my intellect that's how mrs leeson happened um a couple of things one is we're running short in this program but i've got all of our folks headed into tomorrow working on the people who make this program possible thanks for that Um, the people who make this program possible are working hard on I it's hard to oversell this but I want to say you won't hear a finer product on lubbock radio as you will tomorrow on this program news that we've talked about over the past few days you're going to hear on this program something like i don't think you've heard before and i don't want to talk in specifics because quite frankly i don't want to deal with things i want to go home i want to play with my children i want to put them to bed and read the story i don't want to be on the phone Um, this is not my real job this is my opportunity to get on the airwaves and be more constructive than I could be a commergen on uh, social media but we've got I've talked with statewide outlets over the past couple of days we've got something that's just gonna just bust through the roof for you tomorrow on the program so i hope that you'll tune in ross ramsey will be with us tomorrow Uh, we've got a couple of notable uh folks who we've postponed to get into the news that we're going to break with you tomorrow on this program uh we're going to move them back to thursday and friday and i hope that you will tune in uh we'll 
we'll begin at five. We'll unleash what we have, and uh, then we'll have Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune, and then get into some commentary, news, and notes on what we've brought. And uh, I would be surprised if you don't hear what we brought you on broadcasts uh, following tomorrow's program, because that's what we do here on the most talked about afternoon radio program in West Texas, a top 20 uh, news and politics podcast, according to Apple. So a couple of thoughts as I leave you. Uh, we're going to get into those coming up here on the program. Stick right with us. Yeah, that is what you call a tease. But uh, we don't tease you. We bring you the news, views, and issues of the other side of Texas. Stick right with us here. 90 seconds. We'll be back with a little bit more here on the other side of Texas. Hey, uh, some questions over the break. What we have to bring you is uh, regional, not statewide. But I will tell you that there is a statewide uh, issue emerging that we will cover and have been covering in recent evenings because that's when I can get around to it. Um... And Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick has thrown his weight around within this primary season and intimidated and cajoled. Um, and look, I'm not trying to be a partisan in the race. I think based upon the sheer virtue of what I'm about to play for you, I'm not a devotee of either party. But the Lieutenant Governor has done something that I believe to be rather scandalous and I think uh, we'll pick up steam across. T- that's a totally separate story. Uh, the way the lieutenant governor has handled this primary, and uh, not this primary, but this, well, I, you know, there are people who would who would contest what I just said about the primary. Uh, but in this general election, uh, he has shown his hand. There are people who are willing to go on record and talk about it, and they are going to be given that opportunity this program. The lieutenant governor is welcome at any point to come on this program. I doubt he will, and that's not because he can make me out to whatever. Like, you want to talk about conservatism, Dan Patrick? I'll I'll go with you down the line, but. Um, I think it's been underhanded. I think that he's used the levers of what he's enabled to control and done it in a way that no predecessor was willing. And they didn't do it because of good reason. And listen, the lieutenant governor is scared to death to cross I-35. And I think with good reason uh, politically. But so far as integrity and assurance in government and to be... Uh, confident in those who hold control of government uh, so that it's not into a tyranny and not into an unconstitutional republic or run to the uh, adverse intentions of those who frame the Texas Constitution. I don't think Dan Patrick's uh, interested in that. Now, I can take my issues with Mike Collier on the life issue. I can take my issues with him on various issues, but the the fact of the matter is, Mike Collier is not in power. Now, Mike Collier, I think, is an accountant and is a 
a former Republican turned Democrat, and I, I understand why the lieutenant governor is scared to debate him. But I think the lieutenant governor has taken measures to cajole people in Texas in different factions and parties and organizations that he's got a hell of a situation on his hands in the days to come. And quite frankly, I'm pleased to bring you that news and to challenge him on those issues. It would do him, excuse my language, damn well to come on this program because we will not, we will not uh, sit idly by. I'm, I'm not within his stranglehold on Houston media. I'm not and will not be. And if it if it means that I've got to build my own shed and to do my own thing, I, I'm glad to do that because guess what? This is in a top 20 Apple's iTunes podcast for a reason because we talk legitimately. And if he wants to be legitimate, he wouldn't handle the things the way he's done. Now, that's a whole lot of, well, what's Leeson talking about? We'll be talking about those in days to come. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, let me just say, you guys who head up that operation... You do well, promise me, you would do well to come on this program to be treated with respect and to have a conversation and to get out. I mean, it kind of, I mean, are are you like some third world Flintstone living in a cave or do you want to come out and face political realities outside of the upper chamber of of Texas government? Uh, Because we'll call you out. I don't have a problem doing it. That's what I'm here for. Uh, I speak to power, as you'll see tomorrow on this program. I got no problem doing it. I mean, call it whatever you will. Uh, some will call it sanctimonious. Some will call it freedom fighter. Whatever you want to. Uh, Lieutenant Governor has some questions to answer, and he'll quit. He'll answer those questions. But that's not what tomorrow is about. And with that, I want to reiterate what our great digital people have put up online on our Facebook, other side of Texas on Facebook and put up on SoundCloud and up on our podcast. This is about um, 53 seconds in why I'm not a devotee of other parties, why I'm a West Texican, and this is what I want to leave you with here on this edition of The Other Side of Texas. Here it is. The George Washington somewhere is smiling and saying that old Leeson, he can't tell a lie because he's thinking just like me. Whenever he talks about West Texicans. However, political parties may now and then answer popular ends. They are likely in the course of time and things and I'm quoting from to become George potent Washington. engines by which cunning, ambitious, and unprincipled men will be enabled to subvert the power of the people and to usurp for themselves the reins of government destroying afterwards the very engines which have lifted them to unjust dominion. And for any of you, let me put that in context and say it another way, George Washington is feeling for you right now, brothers and sisters, all you brothers and sisters, whatever county you live in, whether it be Texas or otherwise, he feels for you that politicians heed to this small group of people, whether they have jobs or not, I'm not sure. I can speak more plainly to Lubbock County, but I don't want to draw out a big, huge generalization. But a bunch of activists who, by and large, don't enjoy life 
and want to be upset about something, and they have taken over the levers of local government, and everyone knows you don't necessarily have to kiss, well, you don't necessarily have to kiss the rings, but you do have to kiss other things in order to be elected. They don't answer to the people at large. They answer to political parties at the local and other levels, and I defy it, and that's the spirit behind this program. So, there you go. And that's how we feel about it. Here on the other side of Texas, I want to thank you for joining this edition. Tomorrow is going to be Must Listen Radio on this program. We're going to break a regional story wide open. Like that pinata is going to get busted on on blindfolded first attempt. Believe you me. Must Listen Radio Tune in 5 o'clock tomorrow on the program or listen to the program on your way to work on Thursday morning. But for Wednesday, Ross Ramsey, and we're going to blow a regional story wide open right here on the other side of Texas. Until then, I've got an above-average dinner and a great family to get home to. I hope that you do as well. At OSTX Show on Twitter, OtherSideOfTexas.com, and on our Facebook, Other Side of Texas. We'll see you next time right here from the studios where Buddy Holly became famous. Check you next time right here on The Other Side. It's who we want to be. Building owners and managers, sometimes you have good engineering, good equipment, and a good installing contractor, but your heating, ventilation, air conditioning system just doesn't work well. If this is your situation, call ND White Engineering. Using state-of-the-art methods and instrumentation, ND White Engineering can perform a survey of your building, pinpoint exactly what's going on, and provide detailed recommendations for correcting the problem. For more information, call 806 785 1370. Emily Jones for ABC Bank. Life on the road sometimes requires a pinch hitter. I depend on ABC Bank to equip me with all the technology I need in a simple, easy platform so I can bank and get back to life. Their straightforward technology was developed with me in mind. With these tools, I'm able to keep my head in the game while ABC helps me plan my future. Bank on better with ABC Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender.